Hello everyone and welcome to The Haunted Ride, a paranormal and spiritual podcast. And I'm your host, Melissa. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have your tea and your snacks. This episode comes out on the first official day of autumn, and I am very, very happy about that. I just got done putting some vegetables down for the garden to see if I can get them to grow through fall and maybe into winter. On a side note, if you want to celebrate fall, I mean, you can celebrate it however you want, but if you want some more spiritual or purposeful ways to celebrate fall, get yourself a fall wreath. Go to a store, get a wreath. If you like to build wreaths, I love to build them. Uh, pine cones are great right now. Put some sunflowers on it. Cranberries, they're awesome. Make some applesauce or apple cider. Pumpkin is great. So it's not just perfect because of fall and Halloween and the flavor profile, but actually the colors and the spices and the aromas, that's actually really great for fall and to celebrate it. Pumpkin spice, cinnamons, nutmeg, squashes, anything orange, purple, yellow, brown, all those colors that really just like bring fall into your home. You can clean your house. Bringing a new season with a clean house is always great. It's a really great way to say, okay, like I'm washing out everything from the old season and bringing something new. It's a great way to like kind of renew and refresh everything. And lastly, just be honest with yourself. If you don't have time to clean your house, you don't have time to clean your house. That's whatever. If you can't go out and buy stuff, we are all in those spaces. But just be honest with yourself. How are you feeling? Have you been struggling with anything lately? Have you been bringing up some insecurities lately that you kind of are a little surprised about? So those are some really easy ways you can bring in fall. I am bringing in fall with my garden. And with being really honest with myself and cleaning the house a little bit and just having the energy to do things that I hadn't had the energy to do before. And I also have pumpkin ice cream. So, you know, we're going to do this right. To get into the episode today, we're going to have some fun with some paranormal stories. There is a story about the Devil's Tree. If you've never heard about that, it is a tree in Florida. And you're going to hear, one, a little bit of the story of it, and two, someone's experiences with the tree. We've got a story from a police officer. We have a story from someone who did one of my favorite things that I like to tell ghosts. They got the fuck out. And we also are finishing up the episode with a beautiful little wholesome story about a spirit who came back just to say hello. So we're going to listen to a quick promo, and then we'll get into the episode. See you guys in a bit. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, friends. We are the Ladies of Strange. I'm Ashley. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Rebecca. Have you ever wondered if Jenny's head really did fall off when they removed the green ribbon? Or if aliens are hiding in the tales of comets waiting to take us away? Or if there's any scientific basis to the Ouija board? Well, then don't risk your search history and join us each Thursday as we discuss the history, mystery, and theory of all things questionable, odd, and eerie. 
New episodes are released every Thursday. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. More information about the show, including show notes and links to our social media, can be found on our website, theladiesestrange.com. Keep it strange, lovelies. Okay, and we're back. I hope you enjoyed the promo. It was by the Ladies of Strange. If you guys can't hear the title of the episode in the promo or something, it's always in the show notes of the episode. So anytime there's a promo, all the information, all the links, they're always in the show notes. So just go to the show notes in your podcast player or visit The Haunted Ride and you can find it there. We are going to start off this episode with The Devil's Tree from Tanukitif. If I said that incorrectly, I'm so sorry. There's this place in Port St. Lucie, Florida that's called the Devil's Tree. You can Google it, but essentially it's local lore that girls or nuns, there's different versions after it telephoned its way around, were raped and hung at this tree in a small forest, as well as satanic rituals being performed at the base of the tree and in the woods as well. They tried to cut down the tree once word got out, but something always happened. They were rained out, tools stopped working, Tree broke the tools, insane coincidences, every time they tried to take it down. I visited the tree myself twice. You were a very brave person for that. During the day, of course. (laughs) Once with a group of friends, and the other just by myself and my other good friend. It's not labeled or anything, not a tourist attraction, but you know exactly which tree it is when you see it. You can see the attempts to cut and burn the tree down. All the while, it looks bigger and healthier than the other trees around it. The first time I visited with my friends, everything was normal up until we got to the actual tree. Then the stench of death hit us all at once. It made us all want to hurl, and apparently we weren't the only ones to smell it either. An entire nest of vultures were circling the area, around 30 to 50 of them in total. We searched the whole woods for the source of the smell, wanting to make sure there wasn't another murder or something, but we couldn't find the source of the smell for the life of us. The second time I went, it was just me and my one close friend, and it was a much calmer, more observant trip. We were hanging out under the tree, reading, when we both realized something. We were in complete silence. I mean complete silence, which is incredibly unnerving for a small forest next to a public park in the middle of the day. There was no sound of bugs or squirrels or even wind. I took a video of it, unsure if I can find it again, but I'll definitely look and update this if I do. Just overall, very ominous. Definitely a dark energy in the forest. As an earth child, it makes me sad to know that there is a tree that all of this happened to. I mean, a lot of like older trees and things like that. There's, I don't know if they still have it up, but in Jacksonville, there's a huge tree. And I mean, that tree, when I was a kid, was at least over 100 years old. They actually used to be able to climb it. And I loved climbing that tree when I was a kid. And then they roped it off. And I, I don't know if it's still there anymore. But it was like a really big monument at the time for this one park. I mean, I don't think anything bad ever happened with a tree. But can you imagine being like hundreds and hundreds of years old, the things that you've seen and the things you've been around, especially as a tree where you can't move, you can't run away from something that you don't like. If a war happens around you, you see the war. If, you know, unfortunately something like this happens, well, it's right there. It doesn't surprise me that it sounds like the tree is haunted. 
or that area is, or at least has some sort of, like they said, really dark, ominous energy. And I think that's like one of those sites where like, you can try if you want to, to like cleanse it or something like that or whatever. But I don't really think you're really gonna get it out because it's part of that space now. I will say though, in general, I'm always a little like concerned about anything that's named devil anything. Not because I feel like it's haunted by the devil, but like you don't just give an area that name and that space and that title without something major happening. That's the only time you ever call something like that. There's in Gainesville, I believe there is a park called the Devil's Hole. And I mean, when you look at it, it looks like you are kind of going to the center of the earth. It really does. I can kind of get the name for that. But at the same time, I'm just kind of like, no, no, no. There's a reason why you call it that besides the fact that it looks like you're going to the center of the earth. No, something's happened. I'm positive. (laughs) So, uh, you know, if you're going to visit something called the devil's anything, just maybe do your history and make sure you're not getting yourself into some trouble. But I do think that's just one of those places that it's always going to be that way. And that's just how it is. So our next story is from Martying in the Past, and it's titled Ran Out and Haven't Been Back There Since. So this happened 15 years ago in a small town in Iceland. I was staying for Christmas with my ex-girlfriend's family. Her mother and grandmother lived in that particular area, but this happened in her grandmother's home. We had visited her a couple days earlier and stayed for lunch. It's not a big house, and I got pretty familiar with the surroundings that day. I remember walking the hallway to get to the bathroom, and I had to put my hand before my eyes because it was the sun brightening up the place. I went in, locked the door, did my thing, and in the middle of it, the door unlocked. It made this loud click when locking and unlocking. I didn't think of it as something noteworthy, old houses and all that. When I got out and headed back to the living room, the hallway was suddenly pretty dark. I just thought the clouds must have came over the place. Icelandic weather shifts really fast. The second visit was supposed to be a longer stay. We were to stay and help the old lady with chores and all that and have dinner later that day. It was a beautiful winter day in Iceland. Sunny, no clouds in the sky, cold, and no wind outside. So we sat in the living room relaxing and me watching the football on TV. The ladies decide to go shopping and leave me alone to watch the game. Now, in a living room with big windows, sunny clear day, you should feel really relaxed. But I always had a nagging feeling that I wasn't really safe in the house. I can't explain it. I just felt uneasy in there alone. But that feeling got more and more localized towards the hallway as the game went on. I felt I had to glance in that direction. I don't know why, I just had to do it. Again, the hallway was getting darker and darker, which was weird because the sun was still shining outside and no clouds in the sky. But at one point, it really hit me. An overwhelming feeling of panic that I was going to get hurt staying in there. In a split second, I stood up from the couch and looked towards the hallway, and it was pitch black. And I mean that black that you couldn't see anything else than its blackness. And the worst part was it was heading my way slowly, turning this bright winter day into the coldest, darkest night. It didn't make any noise and everything got really quiet. I could only hear my own breathing and pulse. I really felt I was in danger and ran out. I didn't speak to my ex about it for a long time. And at that time I played it like I had to get something at her mother's place. After that I made excuses to not visit that house again. When I told her about it she told me a lot of stories from her childhood. From things getting thrown around, doors opening and shutting, and noises with no clear origin. I just wanted to share my experience as I still think about it from time to time. It's not happened to me again, both before and after that experience. If somebody has a similar story or an explanation, I would love to hear it. It Sounds like it was just haunted. Like, it just sounds like 
a really angry thing in a really pretty home. It's really concerning, though, that it was darkening up a space. Let me break that down and explain it a little bit. Spirits have different origins or different forms that they can take. It all depends on what they're trying to accomplish, how old they are, how much ability they have, if they were ever truly a ghost. So they can do tons of different things. Normally, one of the most popular forms would be an orb. You can see spirits or entities turning into a fog or mist. You can see them take a shape. You can see them be horrifying. You can see them be a shadow man. They can do basically anything they want, depending on how much ability and power they have. But for you to take a really nice sunny day and in a localized area, turn the whole hallway pitch black, it's not, a, it's not anything good. You can't even mistake it for being something good. At the end of the day, we perceive blackness and darkness and nighttime as when the monsters come out. That's a time to instill fear. So if something is turning an area into complete and utter darkness and making you feel like it's going to hurt you, that's its intent. That's what it wants to do. I don't really understand how the ex-girlfriend's grandmother stayed there so perfectly fine. And based on like kind of the summary of the stories, I wonder if his ex-girlfriend ever felt that way too. Or maybe it's just some sort of entity that doesn't like men, which can be the case, or doesn't like strangers in the house and only likes the grandmother. Maybe the grandmother doesn't even know there's an entity there, has no idea, has never seen it. But if somebody else comes in and invades that space, well, then the entity's upset. It's just really interesting. And every time I think about the story and I think about the description, I get chills up my back. So that means it's a very tangible, very strong force that can definitely like physically put its hands on you. I'm happy that this person left. They were like, okay, I know this is not going to be good for me and I'm leaving now. Goodbye. So this story is from Walter White Wolf. It's titled Scary Experience Responding to a House. This event happened approximately a week ago. I was going to post it then, but I wanted to let this digest a bit and not post on a knee-jerk reaction. I'm a police officer in a city of about 30,000 people. I'm currently assigned to our midnight shift, working the hours from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. At the beginning of my shift, I'm called to a house in what can be described as the wealthiest part of town. I'm told by dispatch that the resident of the house, a teenage girl, believes that an adult male is attempting to enter the home. I activated my lights and sirens and arrived at the home a short time later. I knock on the door and make contact with the caller, a frantic 18-year-old girl. My sergeant arrives on the scene a short time later. I ask her to describe what happened. She explains that while laying on the couch, she heard pounding on the front door. She then looked out the peep and did not see anyone. She then heard banging on the back sliding glass door and screaming coming from outside. Again, she did not see anyone. We ask if anyone made entry into the home. The complainant denies us. My sergeant and I check the area, finding no footprints in the yard. We also check the dew in the grass, finding it to be undisturbed. We also checked the glass for fingerprints and were unable to locate any. We chalked it up to the girl's friends playing a prank on her, or her having an overactive imagination leave the house. Approximately three hours later, we are called back to the residence. We are notified that the female believes someone to be inside the home this time. I beat my partner to the house by approximately three to four minutes. I enter and begin speaking with the complainant, who is visibly shaken. I am told that she was awoken by more banging and a man saying, I know you are in here. The complainant states that she had barricaded the basement door with a chair, as she believes someone could easily enter the home through the attached garage. I tell her to stay put in the living room and go to search the basement garage. 
I draw my firearm and search the basement. During my search, I feel very uneasy as if I'm being watched. I complete my search as my partner arrives. I walk back upstairs and meet with her and tell her that I haven't cleared the rest of the home yet. She draws her weapon and helps me search the rest of the home. The last room we enter belongs to the complainant, and it is her bedroom. Inside the bedroom, we find a Ouija board to be in plain view. We deem the residence safe and go back to the living room. At this point, the complainant is frantically shaking and crying. We ask if she lives alone. She states that she stays with her grandparents. She also says that they are out of town on business. I ask to call and speak with her grandpa. I speak with him and learn that the complainant does not have any mental health issues or any behavioral issues. The complainant also does not use any form of drugs that he knows of besides nicotine. Grandpa states that he is going to call another family member to come look after the complainant. We speak with the complainant again, learning that she does not currently suffer from mental health issues. The complainant admits to smoking weed occasionally, but not partaking on any the night of the disturbance. The complainant also advises us that she found the Ouija board that day hidden in a closet of the home. Her condition further degraded and she requested that we take her somewhere else. My partner, being a female officer, transported the complainant back to our HQ, where she was picked up by a family member at a later time. I stayed at the home and searched the surrounding area again. I again did not locate any signs of a person being outside the home. I don't know if this is the right place to post this, but I believe this girl may have experienced something. I for sure did not feel good whilst being in that basement. I used to be a huge skeptic of the paranormal until I took this job. However, I've experienced and dealt with multiple things that I could not explain in regards to calls to service. My partner also stated to feeling very uneasy while being in the house. Anyone think she might have stumbled across something? Or did we just feed into the paranoia of a young girl who was left home alone? Unfortunately, I have not been called out to the home ever since, so I have not gotten to investigate into this occurrence any further. Thank you for listening to my experience and thank you all for your time. I love this story. I think one of my favorite parts about the story is they didn't see anything. A lot of times it takes somebody seeing a ghost or seeing an apparition for them to be like, okay, well, yeah, there's something here. I love that they just went off of what they felt. But the fact that they trusted it in this instance and that really, the feeling of being uneasy, the feeling of being watched, that is what actually made them feel that maybe she summoned something up or she stumbled across something or something just kind of got released in the house and that's what's freaking her out and what's causing her all these these problems is really interesting. Another thing that I love about this story is how logically it's written. It's written step by step by step. There's no added filler. There's no added anything else. It's just a very to the point story that in it holds so much. For example, when she talked about the fact that she smoked weed every so often, there are plenty of places where it's legal now, but what if she's in a place where it's not? You would not openly admit to smoking weed, especially if it's in a state where it could get you in trouble to an officer unless you are terribly frightened. For this girl, all I can truly believe is she was terrified. And so I just, I really love the story overall. I'm kind of happy that they weren't called back because I'm hoping that if everything was normally fine when the Ouija board was hidden and then she found the Ouija board, whether she did something with it or she didn't, perhaps they just hid it back away or removed it from the house or did whatever they needed to do with the Ouija board and so they got rid of the spirit. But I, I really, really love the story, and I thank you so much for submitting it, and also for letting me read it on the show. Our last story is by Day's Baby 420 and it's a story that's titled, Woke Up to the Sound of Wind Chimes, Nowhere to be Found. May 2018, my best friend passed away. Tragic and ugly circumstances. She is my soulmate. 
Our birthdays are two days apart, and I believe we have a really deep connection, even though she's in another dimension. Around the anniversary of her death, I had a dream where we were FaceTiming. I asked if I could come see her since she was back in town, and she said she wished she could, but I'm sorry, there's no more visiting hours. Today's her birthday, and I woke up to the sound of invisible wind chimes and nature sounds. My window was closed, my laptop was off. Wind chimes were often a background noise when we were sitting outside, and she had them all over her deck. After she passed, certain wind chimes would sing, and whenever they did, I instantaneously felt her in the air. Before I opened my eyes, I felt a warm blanket, sort of euphoric sensation, and all I could do was smile and listen. When I opened them, I knew she woke me up to say hello. See you on the astral plane. I think this story is really sweet. It's sad because, I mean, whenever you lose somebody that you really care about, that's sad. It doesn't matter how you lost them or if you were ready or you weren't ready. You're going to miss that person. And so that's that. And I'm sure, you know, they miss you too. You know, they may be able to do certain things with their life that they weren't able to before, but they of course miss you too. Love is transcendent no matter whether you're alive or you're dead. I just really wanted to end the episode on such like a happy note. And I read that story. I thought it was just a perfect story to end the episode on. So I hope that you enjoyed all of our stories. I hope you liked the episode. For the thing I learned this week. Actually, I have to be honest, I learn a lot of things every week. <laughs> every week, I learn a lot of things. I, actually, there's like some experience I was going to talk about that I don't remember from last week to this week because so much has happened. What I wanted to share with you guys is I'm a planner, not in a overly controlling way or something like that. Just if I can, if I know I'm going to do something, I like to, you know, think about the steps that I need in order to do it. So then that way, you know, if there's changes or adaptations or something, I can be prepared for those, but I kind of know the steps that come before and after it. And I realized I, I have a situation going on right now that has brought me a lot of sadness. It's been going on for like the last two weeks, and it's just been really hard. As I've gotten a little bit better with that sadness and better with how that's, that's going to feel and how that works, I have sat down and I have begun to plan things out. Like, okay, if this is the case and this is what happens, all right, we can do this and this and this. I stopped and I realized that I'm sitting here trying to plan this all by what works best for me. Meaning you can plan for the worst case scenario all you want to, but your hope is always going to be that if you get to the worst case scenario, somehow it hits you at the best time. And so you're like, okay, well, if I've got enough time and space and energy to do these things before it hits, then everything's going to be great. But that's not how life works. You get hit by things when you're supposed to be hit by them. It doesn't matter if you planned for it or you didn't, or you wanted it to happen during that time or you didn't. Like the universe doesn't care. The universe just goes, this is going to lead you to something better. So here you go. And that's, that's all that happens. I got a really beautiful message earlier today. So what I was told was, it's great that you're trying to plan everything. It really is. It's great that you're trying to set yourself up for the best possible situation. You're trying to be optimistic, but realistic at the same time. You're trying to have hope for the situation. That's great. That's beautiful. But it's not your plan. You can take all the actions you want. You can manage the situation as best as possible. You can make sure that you cover all your bases. You can try to do everything that you can to make this as much of a positive experience as possible. But at the end of the day, it is out of your hands. And something else that was kind of told to me was like, just because you can't see the finish line doesn't mean it's there. It might be shrouded in fog and mist and really dark and you just can't see it, but it doesn't mean it's not there. It's still there. You are just going to be guided through it instead of just seeing it right off the bat. 
So accept that guidance. Accept that the universe is going to work for you. It doesn't mean that it won't be more stressful or less stressful or anything like that. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that you have to trust that this process and what's about to happen and what's going on is what you need right now. It's going to serve you either today or tomorrow or a year from now in your highest good. So what I would like you guys to take from that is, I'm sure everybody does things similar to what I do, you know? When you sit down and you plan your bills, what do you do? You go, okay, well, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you plan out all your finances and you go, okay, well, if I get this down here, we do this, we do that, we do other, and then your car breaks down. And like, are you serious right now? I don't have time for this. Like, I know, like, I don't have the funds for this. Like, how is this going to work? And then that builds stress and worry and nervousness and anxiety and sadness and all these things. And it's like, no, you didn't need your car to break down right now that you know of, but the universe felt that you did. So work with it, work with what you've got right now, right today in this moment, work with it and just keep setting yourself on that path. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other and everything will be okay. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to send in your story, go to thehauntedride.com, click on the send us your story link, or you can email it into thehauntedride.gmail.com. We are on every social site you can think of and every podcast player you can think of. Have yourselves a great day, a great night. Do something great to celebrate the first day of autumn, something that you love. Just take care of yourselves, be safe, love yourselves and love others. And as we always like to say, don't let the ghost get you. Bye. Thank you.